It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. I'm stuck here next to Doug DePiro. Oh, my God. This is the Dick Morris Show. And the Doug DePiro Show. Yes. <laughs> and um, we're sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. We begin this, this show with a message for Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Duran DeSantis, Chris Christie. Most of all, Chris Christie. Okay, and this message is brought to you by my friend Roy Orbison. Folks, the race is over. Uh, this is going to be a quick knockout. This will be the political equivalent of a Mike Tyson bout. You really think that, huh, Dick? When the first couple of uh, hours of the fight, the fight ends, first couple of minutes of the fight. So in January, on January 15th, Iowa is going to vote, the first in the country. And in Iowa, Donald Trump is clinging, clinging to a 41-point lead. That's amazing. I'm sorry, 31 points. I got it wrong. 52 to 19. Uh, and uh, clinging to that, fighting for his life. And Haley is back at 16. It's Trump 52, DeSantis 19, Haley, um, Haley 16. Uh, so and then after that comes New Hampshire, where it's Trump 46, uh, Nikki Haley 24, and uh, DeSantis in third place, actually Christie in third place at 10, and DeSantis at 9. So those are the first two primaries, and it looks like they're both going to be wipeouts. And um, that fuels the conclusion that my friend Roy was singing about, that it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about time they realize that. Uh, the the, the reason, and, and it is very important that after these two primaries, these jokers drop out of this race and stop tying up the Republican Party with an internecine fight when we should be united in focusing our energies on the general election, getting right. rid of Biden. Yes. And uh, it, it's nice to have an exercise in democracy, and we all tolerated it, and we were all nice and civil to everybody, but... You know, come on. Enough is enough, enough guys. Enough is enough. Basta, if basta. Can, if you can't read the handwriting on the wall, at least read the handwriting on your butt. <laughs> and, uh, the handwriting in the poll. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so so come on, guys. Get get out of it. Get, get out. It. And nationally, Trump is at 63% of the vote. Uh, Haley is at 11 and DeSantis is this isn't, as Yogi Berra said, a cliff dweller <laughs> or cliffhanger. Um, 
and uh, and they just need to get with that. Uh, the after the wipeout takes place in New Hampshire and Iowa, uh, I think it's very important that we all unite and call on them to get out and to end this thing. And when is New Hampshire again? I'm sorry. Uh, the 23rd of, of January. Uh-huh. So, you know, they've had two years to make their case and to dump on Donald Trump and to attack him. And they've had lots and lots and lots of money to do that because Wall Street doesn't like Trump and they've been bathing the whoever is opposed to Trump in, in money. You know, they used to say in boxing, the great white hope um, who would beat the black champion. Yeah, yeah. Well, here we have the great white hope, the uh, the guy, the person who could beat Donald Trump. And one week it was DeSantis. Right. Then another week it was Vivek Ramaswamy, of all people. Then another week it was now it's Nikki Haley. Now it's basically nobody. Where is Nikki again with the, the numbers? You just said um, it a minute ago. Well, in New Hampshire, she's... Uh, Behind fifty-two to sixteen. Yeah, so well, in, no, in Iowa, in New Hampshire, she's behind forty-six to twenty-four. Yeah, so where's she going? And nationally, she's behind sixty-three to eleven. Yeah, so and she's going no place. Yeah, get out. She's just e- using up a lot of oxygen. Get out. Make me a, a sandwich on your way out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's very important that we send that message to her. And don't let her continue to crap up the political process by pretending that she's running for president. Right. Now, some people say she's auditioning for vice president, but... Not now. I got a secret for her. (laughs) There is no way that you run for vice president by pissing off Donald Trump (laughs) by running against him. Yeah, I don't think so, pal. That's kind of not how it works, Nikki. Not with him. Um, And then you look at the general election that's coming. Um, Nationally, in the popular vote... Trump is between two and four points ahead of Biden. And that sounds close, but it isn't. Because if Trump were to, were to, uh, if Trump would lose to Biden in the popular vote by three points or less, he would still be elected president. Because that's the way the Electoral College works out. Because you have so much population in New York and California with so many electoral votes and states that a Republican has no chance of carrying. Right. So now it's Trump is ahead, really, between five and seven points of, of Biden. And that reality is even clearer when you look at it on a state-by-state basis. Uh, in Pennsylvania, Trump is one ahead. But in Michigan, he's five ahead. In Arizona, he's five ahead. In Georgia, he's five ahead. In Nevada, he's four ahead. and Wisconsin, he's tied. So in all of the swing states... Trump is absolutely winning and devastating Biden. And uh, so so the general election looks great. If only these clowns in the primary would get out of their, their 15 minutes of fame, get it's out over. of the spotlight yeah, over. understand that it's gone. Yeah, but that's not really hurting him right now. It's just get away and let him do his thing. Yeah. Am I right? Or? Well, they're trying to hurt him. They keep running negative ads and stuff, and they have money, but... You know they're not really having any effect, right? And it would be nice if they if they avoided that. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, there's a great poem that I read the other day by Emily Dickinson. It says, "Hi, oh. hi, I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Well, now we are a pair of nobodies. But don't tell; they'll advertise how dreary it is to be somebody in public like a frog." 
croaking out his name all day to an adoring bog. Well, that's what this race is you know, like. You know, croaking gotta, out your names all day to an adoring bog. I got to say a personal thing here. Dick Morris, like when I'm in Florida, he's in New York, he calls me and, he's, and he'll read the poem to me. I'm like, Dick, I'm working on my motorcycle over here. I don't want to hear poetry. <laughs> he was totally... So, so uh, croaking out their name all day to an adoring Oh, bar. here he goes again. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a joke. Now, um... <laughs> Christian. Now, now Nikki Haley uh, did more than croak out her name. She dug up the Civil War. Oh, yeah. And uh-huh. uh, she was campaigning in New Hampshire. And a, a person in the audience, she claims a Democratic plant, but it doesn't matter, said... What do you think were the causes of the Civil War? And uh, the obvious answer is slavery. But she didn't give it. She said, well, the war was about the power of the federal government and the right of people to do what they wanted to do. And, uh, you know, of course, that's ridiculous, the right of the people to do what they wanted to do, to make somebody else a slave, put them in chains, crack right. a whip over them, yeah, right. and rape the women oh and God. abuse the children. Um, that's not a human right. Uh, so she was, she was called on that. And a lot of people said, oh, she made a flub. She's not an experienced candidate. Well, there you go. Uh, not ready for prime time. But that wasn't the real problem. Um, in my work on, in history, uh, I focused on the period right after the Civil War and right after Reconstruction when there was a moral and rhetorical battle going on between the North and the South to agree on what was the causes, cause and the outcome of the Civil War. And the North said it was slavery. But slavery became less and less popular as the decades emerged into the 1890s, 1900s. And the South began to say, no, no, this war wasn't about slavery. It was about human rights, the rights of, of people to decide how they're going to be governed. And uh, it was about states' rights and popular sovereignty, not letting the federal government tell us how to live. And that's kind of what they do today. And, uh, the, and, and the South Carolina legislature passed a law saying that all books and all textbooks and all school teachers had to echo that line, that the Civil War was not really about slavery. It was about, uh, about 1900. And that was the time when Gone with the Wind came out, the movie, and it was kind of an apology for slavery. Uh, and Gone with the Wind, you may remember Mammy loves the family, and even after she's freed, she stays with the family because she's so loyal and doesn't mind being a slave. Sure. And uh, that was the line that they were pushing. And South Carolina led the South in doing that, just like South Carolina was the first state to leave the Union and 30 years before the Civil War had tried to leave the Union, but Andrew Jackson dragged them back in. Uh, now they were the first to embrace this new version of what caused the Civil War. And eventually all Southern states adopted it. The textbooks that were published got prescribed in every school. Really? The Ku Klux Klan made sure that that's what the teachers taught or they would, would kill them. And uh, the whole idea that the Civil War was really about human rights and freedom, not black rights, but white human rights and liberties, right. uh, became current in the country. In and the country or the South? Just the South. Right. Just the okay. South. Right. Uh-huh. Now, Nikki Haley spent her life in South Carolina. 
And when she said this race isn't about, this election isn't about slavery, it's about human freedom, she was basically just echoing the line she had been brought up to learn. Mm -hmm. In fact, in South Carolina, they don't even call it the Civil War. They call it the war between the states. Really? And and sometimes, in some places, they call it the war of northern aggression. (laughs) And no, for real? Or you they do. They do. Really? And South Carolina is where they fired on Fort, Fort Sumter and started the Civil War. So um, with Nikki Haley's comments, you really have to understand that she's coming from a place where she doesn't really grasp the essential elements of our past. And not to understand that the Civil War was about slavery is outrageous. Um, as a follow-up, she said to the questioner, well, what do you want me to say about slavery? That's messed up right there. And the answer is, yeah, say it is an abomination on humanity, second only to the uh, Holocaust, and, uh, that, and that it was legalized systematic rape and child abuse and can't possibly be tolerated in the world. So that's like a good answer as to what caused the Civil War, human liberty and the federal government telling us what to do and not to do is not a good answer. And uh, Haley Barber and Nikki Haley did not just commit a faux pas. She showed... Like you just did when you said Haley Barber. Yeah. She showed too <laughs> much of herself. And uh, we really have right. to think about that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Let's go to Joseph in New York. Hi, Joseph. Hello, Joseph. Christmas. Hi, Joseph. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Can you hear me? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yes, okay. Merry Christmas. Um, I don't know if you heard about the uh, Georgia State election fraud. Uh, Georgia State has been sitting on the report for over two years. That yes. In, Raff, were hacked. in Raff, Raffmussen's office, Raffensperger's office, right, yeah, right, right. Secretary of State, yes. You know, I'm glad you raised that, Joseph. What's coming out all over the place is with the media is revisiting, being forced to revisit, the history of the last two years. And they're having to admit that, yeah, there was election fraud. Yes, some of the machines were tampered with. And yes, January 6th was not a, was largely a peaceful protest that a few people made violent, but they didn't bring guns or anything. And the FBI may have played an ag- role in provoking the crowd. And they're having to revisit this whole biased history we've been fed over the last two years. And the election fraud issue is a very good example of that. Um, so, and, and as this comes up, it's not just a history lesson we're going to need. It's revising the whole democratic attack on Donald Trump, that he was an enemy of democracy for complaining about election fraud, that he was trying to overturn the election, that he was, uh, that he was crazy and, and ruthless and... And, and just uh, aggressive. And when you look at the facts, Donald Trump was basically right. In fact, the other day I was looking at, I went to see an anti-Trump movie, I think it was called The the Background of Donald Trump or something. And they kept playing, but it was dated, it was done a year ago. And they kept playing film clips of Trump designed to show that he was nuts and that the oh, stuff he was saying was wrong. But almost all the stuff he was saying was right. It just wasn't right at the time that this documentary was made. Even still, they still would have uh, spun it negatively. 
So when we come back, we'll talk about whether Donald Trump is on the ballot or off the ballot or kicked off but still on or on, depending on what the court says. We'll talk about all that when we come back. But you also said that it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Yeah, no it, it is. It is. And uh, so we don't have a problem with that. All right. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Hi, this is the Dick Morris Show. Welcome back with Doug DePiro. Hello, Dick Morris. And we're sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. So um, Nikki Haley's slavery comments we just talked about are really important because they indicate where she's coming from and what her state of mind is. What Alan, was the cause of the United States? What was that? Go ahead. <laughs> what do you want me to say about slavery? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like she needs someone to tell her what she should yeah. say about it. Uh-huh. Bad idea, Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. Slavery was not right. It was wrong. Okay. Well, we'll email you the answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, Al and Yonkers, you, anything you want to talk about? Hey, That's Al. Nikki Haley. Hey, Al. Al. Say, uh, Nikki Haley, you know, I think the comment that she made, because I'm, a, I'm a, a President Trump supporter, uh, 100%. Uh, I think if the only people she probably got this would that would have been a more of an issue in a general election. Like, say for instance, uh, a one bad person uh, incident years ago in '76 is when Gerald Ford said in the general election probably cost him Ohio when he said that uh, the Soviet uh, communist Russia didn't have dominance in Eastern Europe and in Poland, that, yeah. Uh, you know, he said that that was not true, that Yugoslavia, Poland, yeah. and Romania were independent. And that probably cost him Ohio. But this, uh, it, it, you know, this uh, comment that Nikki Haley made, it would probably annoy the liberal Republicans in New Hampshire, but they're going to probably vote for her anyway. Yeah, but it had a political impact because it was stupid and because yeah. everybody knew it was stupid. And I was saying that it really is a... Frankly, it's the comment of somebody that isn't quite used to American history, came here and learned it in a by, in, in a state which had a bias to it back then, no more. And um, so I think it, it is hurting her. Well, thank you, Al. The, uh, so the issue of Trump being thrown off the ballot, which really is obviously never going to happen, because the Supreme Court will not permit it, thank goodness. But uh, on the way to getting there, it's it's kicking up a lot of dust. And it's really important for Trump. I, when I spoke with him about it, I told him you should be very grateful that this is happening. Because in every contest, every political race, you have two questions you have to ask at the end. One is, what am I going to do differently in the last week's And secondly, how will I maintain my momentum and my enthusiasm? And how will I prevent the center of attention from drifting to my opponents in the horse race? And they solved this completely for him. Colorado did. When they threw him off the ballot, it meant that that's the only issue that's going to be out there. That's what people are going to talk about. And, uh, and And it really made it possible for him to say something different in the last few weeks, 
maintain the center of attention and keep keep the focus on him. And uh, I think that I think it was really a uh, when it happened, I was a little relieved about it because I'd been concerned about those questions, and now it was clearly there. And it goes back to what I told President Trump. I said, you were a great president. You've waged a great campaign, and that's all helping you win. But what's impelling your victory, what's propelling it, is what they're doing to you. Yeah. The, the persecution, the, what it demonstrates about the deep state, what it says about the Democratic Party, what it says about their contempt for norms of democracy, is really what's propelling you in this race. And that was a great example. And they're so scared of him that they have to do all this. That's what it is. And people say, well, he must be a great if the deep state is trying to get him thrown in jail. Do me a favor, Dick. Uh, explain, you know, there's going to be appeals on the Trump stuff, right? What right. Is, right? The, and you said, absolutely, this is not going to yeah. happen with the Supreme Court. Tell me how you, how you... Well, there are all kinds of reasons why the Supreme Court's going to keep him on the ballot. First and foremost is they're not going to knock him off over a technicality and tell America who it should have for president. That just goes too far. Um, but in terms of the narrow confines of the litigation, uh, first of all, the 14th Amendment uh, was it, the voting there. The amendment specifies this amendment shall be enforced by Congress, whereas many other of the amendments, almost all the others, do not specify that. But this right. one does because Congress was controlled by the pro-civil rights Republicans and the, against the anti-civil rights Democrats. And the president at the time, Andrew Johnson, was a, was a Southern racist. And the, uh, the proponents of the civil rights and the authors of the 14th Amendment did not trust Andrew Johnson to enforce the amendment. So uniquely, they said Congress will enforce this. But they did not mean states are going to enforce it. The whole point was to tell the states not to do certain things. Got it. That's what the Got 14th it. Amendment was all about. Um, it said no state shall deprive anyone of life, liberty, or property mm -hmm. without due process of law. And to vest the states with the authority to enforce that is, is like vesting a bank robber with the authority <laughs> to clean up the bank. Yeah, um, it also... Uh, there so was basically no, the Supreme Court's going to say... I don't think they are. So. And they're also going to say this was not an insurrection. They weren't armed. There was no indication that they wanted to topple the government. Uh, they, were they were demonstrating about an election and exercising their free speech that, it, that it's appropriate and is okay to do. And then on top of that, they'll also, I think, the country will be examining January 6th and we'll see increasingly the role that the FBI and the feds played in fomenting that riot. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. So th this week, Colorado Secretary of State, who's a Democrat, said regardless of this case, the Colorado will have Trump's name on the ballot, uh, as in, in, the, in the ballot, uh, under one condition, which is unless the high court upholds the decision of the state court to throw him off by January 5th, that and uh, clearly he'll remain on the ballot. Now, while that's going on in Colorado, Maine also wants to throw him off. But Minnesota, Michigan, and California, all controlled by Democrats, 
are going to keep them on because they don't think that the 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 law would permit well, them to remove them. Well, let me ask you this: January fifth, it would never get to the Supreme Court by then. That's right. So that's why. Okay. That's right. Okay. Well, they they could reach down and decide it, but they won't. Anyway, well, they could do that. The Supreme Court. Yeah, they can. Would, as Supreme you say, Court down. Do anything it wants. Yeah, okay. So um, let's hit it. So being kicked out of the country didn't hurt George Strait, and being kicked off the ballot hasn't hurt Donald Trump. Um, and neither is permanent. He's back in country, and Trump is back on the ballot. So all is right with the world. Now, while that was happening, the Supreme Court took up the issue of whether it was asked to take up the issue by Ken Smith, the attorney, the, the prosecutor, uh, to bypass the lower courts and rule on whether Trump has immunity or not. The issue is, does he have immunity from prosecution for things he did as president after he's left office? Or is impeachment the only remedy? And if impeachment is the only remedy, he was not impeached, he was impeached but, but acquitted, and if it's the only remedy, then this further charge is double jeopardy because he's been through it on impeachment, now he's going to have to go through it in a criminal proceeding. So both of those are good reasons to uh, to rule for Trump in this case. And what Smith is trying to do is to avoid the appellate process, avoid having Trump go to the Circuit Court of Appeals and litigate whether he has immunity and let them decide and let them issue an opinion and then let Trump reply, mm-hmm. then let Trump appeal it and go to the Supreme Court. And by the time that happens, he's not going to have his conviction uh, by early March, which is what he wants. He wants to interrupt the Trump campaign by declaring that he's guilty of a felony. And unless they deliver that verdict to him on time... It's of no use to him. So Smith is going to the Supreme Court and saying, circumvent the lower courts, make this decision yourself. And very often in politics and in law, what doesn't happen is the most important. And the the sounds of silence. And the silence we're hearing here is the Supreme Court refusing to say that Trump does not have immunity or does have immunity and saying we're going to take this up in the normal course of business which means they probably are not going to make the March 5th deadline for the trial that that Smith wants. 
And what's special about March 5th? Nothing. The witness isn't going to move out of the country. There's no risk of flight. The only reason to resolve this before March is so that before the election, they can campaign and say, see, Donald Trump is a convicted felon. And that label, is that moniker, is the entire motivation behind Smith's case. And it's been shown up now because there's no other possible justification for his demand to rush this case. And it was brilliant of Trump's lawyers to smoke him out and make him take that position in public. And uh, I think it's going to hurt them uh, badly. So when we get back, we'll talk about the Democrats' revenge against the Supreme Court, because they are out for blood. And uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. Smoke them out. Okay, all men, pay attention. If you're suffering from ED on any level, tired of taking ED pills just to have a sex life, or frustrated with the high cost of prescription ED meds, you have to know there is a better way. Introducing Acoustic Wave Therapy. If you have ED, regardless of your age or medical history, then grab your cell phone and take down the number 800-452-1593. That's 800-452-1593. When you call, you'll get free information from the Men's Performance Center on a new FDA-approved procedure to treat ED. There's no pain, no needles, no surgery, and no medication. Just the newest proven treatment from Europe using acoustic sound waves, which will increase the blood flow naturally. And this amazing new treatment can dramatically change your life with short, painless sessions done right in the privacy of a doctor's office. Be the man you know you can be. Call 800-452-1593 for free info. That's 800-452-1593. Call 800-452-1593 today. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Protecting America with Rita Cosby. An official impeachment inquiry into President Biden is now opened as his own son, Hunter Biden, thumbs his nose at a congressional subpoena. And joining us now to talk about all of this is Greg Jarrett. He is the Fox News legal analyst. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, if the Republicans don't have anything to hide, have him do it publicly. But there's a real value to first doing it behind closed doors. Yeah, because the people who ask the most penetrating questions, people who do the meat and potatoes of the questioning behind closed doors in a deposition are the investigators hired by the committee. These are lawyers who are skilled in the art of cross-examination. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm Welcome back to the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro, sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. And the call-in number... For the show is 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. And like they used to say in the ads, operators are standing by. <laughs> if you give us your order in the next five minutes, you will receive absolutely free. Nothing. 100% guaranteed grill or something. One like ringy dingy. <laughs> Two ringy dingy. <laughs> what was the way you say? I can't say it over the thing. What did, um, what was Say it again, Chris. Oh, son of a bitch. Okay. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. That's wrong. Yeah. 
So when if the, the issue of Trump being on the ballot now remains in the hands of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which is scheduled to hear arguments on the immunity question on January 9th, it's still possible the high court will weigh in on the matter, but not in the expedited way Mr. Smith had hoped would speed up the trial before the November election. At issue is Trump's claim that presidential immunity shields him from prosecution for his actions while president. And it was just simply an effort, a bum's rush, to get the Supreme Court and everybody else to intervene so that they can put an ad, in, in a line in their negative ad, which is Donald Trump, a convicted felon. So the Democrats are mad at the Supreme Court, and they are determined to... Because they're not in lockstep with them? Yeah, exactly. Mm. They can't control them. Mm -hmm. And that which they can't control, they they seek to destroy. That's right. So the timing here is no coincidence. The Democrats introduced a new bill in the Senate uh, for a saying for a new code of conduct for the Supreme Court. There is an effort to develop a code of conduct for the court. It doesn't now exist. And the Democrats are pushing it because they're hoping that they can get Clarence Thomas kicked off the court for violating it. And, um, and, that's, a, and, and that's what they're trying to do. And, they're, and they bring up this issue periodically to try to harass the judges and intimidate the Supreme Court. So the Congress issued a, a, I'm sorry, the court issued in response to that pressure a new code of conduct. Uh, And Durbin, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Democrat, said the court's new code of conduct falls far short of what we expect from the highest court in the land. And to remedy the supposed crisis at the court, Durbin proposed the Supreme Court Ethics Recusal and Transparency Act of 2023, which his committee voted out on a party-line vote. The proposal, which Republicans have denounced as unconstitutional, would create a system allowing members of the public to file complaints against the justices for violating the proposed code of conduct and for engaging in, quote, a conduct that undermines the integrity of the Supreme Court of the United States. It would also impose mandatory recusal standards when a judge has to step aside. But it also would create a panel of lower court judges, lower court judges below the Supreme Court, to investigate complaints against the Supreme Court. So it's a little bit like they, uh, they're setting up a, uh, a group of, uh, of, of, of people to, to adjudicate stuff for, their, for people that are above them. In other words, normally you have somebody at the higher court disciplining someone at the lower court. Now it will be the the serfs' revenge. Uh, They can censure the Supreme Court, and uh, it completely turns the world upside down. Now, between the lines of this, you have to read that Trump has a majority on the Supreme Court, but not on the lower courts. And what they're trying to do is to make the lower courts have jurisdiction over the Supreme Court, by adopting an ethics code that's not necessary and and is just being done to intimidate the judges. And they could do that. That could happen. Well, it, not just... to, we have to, to get it through the House, and they won't. But the reason they're doing it is basically intimidation. Uh, remember that during the presidential campaign of 2016, 
the there was a lot of question about would Trump appoint judges that would overturn Roe v. Wade. Sure. And some people, including Hillary, proposed that the number of judges be expanded on right. the court. Right, I remember From that. the nine, it now is to like 15 or 18 or yeah, 20 yep. or 35 or 60 or 100. 842. Yeah. And the goal was to keep appointing people until you got a Democratic majority <laughs> on the court. Oh, my God. And uh, The room would get filled up. Yeah. And... Uh, the, and, and that was what they were proposing. And the purpose of the proposal had nothing to do with any of that. It was simply to try to intimidate the Supreme Court and get them to uh, be compliant with the... Do what we say or else we're going to do this to you? Yeah, exactly. And they were trotting this out uh, simply as a, as a way of intimidating the court and trying to stop them from doing their duty as they saw it. And that's what this is. When you're proposing a code of conduct that is unnecessary, never been required, and now you're imposing it. You're saying it's got to be stricter. And then they're saying that the public, anybody, can file a complaint against a judge, which means the whole Supreme Court would be tied up listening to endless complaints by liberals against the conservative judges. You'd have to have a Supreme Supreme Court. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it would impose mandatory recusal standards. Uh, so it would say that if you have ruled on this case before or something like this, or you made a comment that indicates you're biased one way or the other, you have to accuse yourself and take yourself off the case, which means everything you say, everything you've ever written, everything you've even thought out loud uh, could be grounds for kicking you off the case. Unbelievable. Until now, this has been a an issue for a judge to decide at every court level. There's no requirement that any judge, any place, recuse himself. Uh, if he feels that he's biased and he's a judge so he's trusted with that, he'll step off the case. He'll voluntarily recuse himself. But this would set up a mandatory recusal, recusal standard, and that could lead to a lawsuit against the judge saying you should have recused yourself. Uh, we're going to invalidate the decision overthrowing Roe v. Wade because one of the judges should have recused himself. Right. And we're going to sue over that and we'll tie the country up for three years litigating that. And then, most outrageously... It's anarchy. Most outrageously, it would set up a panel of lower court judges, court judges who can be overridden by the Supreme Court, and routinely are. But now they are going to sit in judgment of the Supreme Court. No, that's just not going to happen. It's like a panel of students to sit in judgment of the principal the and the yeah. teacher. It gives me too many tests. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> homework. And the, and the idea that you can completely invert the criminal justice system, the judicial system, the way they're doing it, is, is just ridiculous and absurd. And it only has one purpose, to send a shot across the bow of the Supreme Court to discipline them so that they don't uh, act, so they don't act the way the Democrats don't want them to act. Um, just horrible. Let's go to uh, Gary in Connecticut. Hey, Gary. Hey, Gary. Oh, Larry. La Gary. Gary Cheller. Larry. Larry. I'm yeah, no, it's Gary. Oh, Larry, yeah. yeah. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Since you're talking about the Supreme Court, I'm gonna I'm gonna weigh in on that because. Uh, there's another issue here with the Supreme Court that I think they're trying to intimidate them in even a worse way. You remember uh, Schumer's threats to uh, the judge, to Kavanaugh? And I heard Greg Kelly say that Kavanaugh is worried about his daughters and John Roberts is worried about his cocktail parties. But, um, <laughs> what do you mean his you know, daughters? 
uh, when he was worried w- about the safety, uh, the safety of his daughters, because somebody tried to kill Kavanaugh, and they didn't protect him properly. Right, I remember they that. Pro- they didn't process. They didn't prosecute the mob that surrounded his house. So they're trying to intimidate the Supreme Court in other ways. Now, mm. evidence of that recently. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Larry. I back up a little bit. Uh, I, I did not do not recall that that. Uh, there was a threat against his family. Uh, t- tell me about that. There was not a no, no, no. There was not a personal threat against his family. Greg Kelly simply mentioned, from personal knowledge that he may have had, that Judge Kavanaugh is worried about his daughters. Yes, mm. I remember. And, and that. Okay, so what I want to say also about Chick Fil A. There's an issue going on in New York State where they're trying to shut down. Uh, make uh, Chick-fil-A close on Sunday. Yeah, that's um, outrageous. Yeah, claiming it's not. Now, this is an infringement. uh, This is a planned, a pre-planned infringement on on the First Amendment. Now, now, you would think that that precedent has already been issued for this ruling. Uh, And so why would they be trying it? Because I think they're trying to use the race issue of Chick-fil-A to intimidate the justices into making inroads into freedom of religion. Are you implying that the justices are chicken? Ah, listen to him. (laughs) Yeah, very good one. That's right. And I I think that they're trying to they're trying to exploit the fact that the judges are a little scared and they might make a racial uh, they might light a racial flame because it has to do with Chick-fil-A. Yeah. That was they don't want to let the controversy in the South rest. They want right. to read. They want to bring it up again. Sure, it's very nefarious what's going on. Only in New York State. Only you know they say only in New York. Only right. in New York could it be that nefarious. Right, divide and conquer. That's what it's all about. Thank you. Let, let's go to Pete in Brooklyn, who has a comment about January sixth. Hi, Pete. Hello. 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 Hello, Pete. We got you. Yeah, about uh, insurrection. Insurrection has a definition. It's an attempt to put somebody else in the place of the president. There was no such such an attempt. They were for Trump. Trump, as far as I understand, was the president at that time. So they just supported the president. That is not an insurrection. Yeah. Well, particularly was unarmed. Uh, ask anyone who's been in a revolution or a civil war how far they get without guns, and uh, <laughs> right, and, and they don't, they won't get far. But um, the message I want to send to the Democrats who are trying to intimidate the Supreme Court is best explained by the Marvelettes. Hit it. Thank you, Marvel. Let's let's go to Gary in Connecticut. Hey, Gary. Hey, Dick. I want to share a quick story. I went out to dinner yesterday with a reporter, friend of ours from the Washington Post, and this individual had a really interesting way of looking at January sixth and Donald Trump. They said, based on the severity of the charges, he needs not to run for office and needs to be stopped. I hmm. would incredulous because for years I thought this individual was level-headed 
thought through things and really tried to walk a fine line between left and right in their yeah. stories. Clearly, well, he fell. He fell off I it. <laughs> I he mean, fell off the wagon. Someone that tries to influence opinion saying the severity of the charge is yeah. such that he should not run for office. Now, thank you, Gary. That's shocking. But that is. I think the, the important thing to realize about January 6th is the whole thing is going to come undone. The whole liberal narrative that this was a revolution, this was an insurrection, and that Trump was breaking the law by doing it, it was incited by Trump, is increasingly coming undone. And when it comes undone, it's like a thread being pulled out of a fabric. Mm -hmm. The whole thing begins to collapse. And when we come back, we'll talk about the implications of that, uh, that, that the death of the January 6th narrative is going to be terribly harmful to the left in 2024. Well, the courts, the courts are ruling on all those people that are in, in, in jail. Yeah, so and, that's and what you're saying. Yeah, and whether the whether it was a riot or not, whether the FBI was involved in inciting it, they're about to release the the videotapes of the day where they'll have demonstrators holding the door for cops, and uh, that's going to undermine the whole narrative yep. of this. And also the narrative that underscores two of the four charges against Donald Trump by Smith. So when we come back, that's what we'll talk about. Steve Forbes warns that a big financial crisis is coming. The CEO of Wells Fargo warns the worst is yet to come for Americans. Meanwhile, the Fed raised rates again with the biggest single rate hike in four decades. And all of the positive jobs reports for 2023 were just revised downwards. Less jobs than originally reported. So much for Build Back Better. Call the Patriot Gold Group today before it's too late. Mention WABC and you'll get best-in-class service from Patriots Protecting Patriots. Patriot Gold Group has the no-fee-for-life IRA, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you may be eligible for the no-fee-for-life IRA on qualifying rollovers. Call 888-594-7855 for a free investor guide today. Patriot Gold Group is Consumer Affairs' top-rated gold IRA dealer six years in a row. Call 888-594-7855. That's 888-594-7855. Slater Slater Shulman, 488 Madison Avenue, New York, New York is responsible for this ad. Attention, former patients of Dr. Darius Paduke, New York City and Long Island urologist. Dr. Paduke was arrested and charged with sexually abusing his patients for many years. If you were a patient of Dr. Darius Paduke at any time and were subjected to any sexual misconduct, you may be entitled to substantial cash compensation. Call our law firm's Dr. Paduke Sexual Abuse Helpline now. Call 800-973-4811. Dr. Paduke treated both children and adults. He practiced at New York Presbyterian Wild Cornell in New York City and Northwell Health on Long Island between 2005 and 2023. If you were a patient of urologist Dr. Darius Paduke as a minor or an adult at any time and were subjected to any inappropriate sexual touching, you may be entitled to substantial cash compensation. Call now to get the justice, closure, and the financial settlement you deserve. Call our law firm's Dr. Paduke Sexual Abuse Helpline now at 800-973-4811. But the deadline to file a claim is rapidly approaching. Call right now. 800-973-4811. 800-973-4811. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Grazie, grazie. Hi, welcome back to the Dick Morris Show with... Doug DePiro, my advisor, consigliere, and... and um, Whatever. Whatever guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Special Prosecutor Jack Smith is has introduced a motion in court to stop Donald Trump from discussing whether there were undercover federal agents that incited the January 6th riot and what the role of Capitol Police and National Guard was in that riot. Uh, Trump's attorneys are planning to bring, uh, to bring a number of motions undermining the whole narrative about January 6th. Uh, Christopher Wray, the head of the FBI, has admitted at a congressional hearing that there were a significant number of undercover FBI agents in the crowd. And when asked to estimate them, he couldn't. But uh, they said at least 20, and he said, yeah, at least 20. And there may well have been hundreds. And the narrative here is that very possibly this was a peaceful demonstration with no malicious or violent intent Mm -hmm. that was egged on by a combination of crazy right-wing neo-Nazis who were in the crowd and working with uh, federal agents who were in the crowd. In French, they call that agent provocateur. Mm-hmm. You send someone in to provoke the crowd, mm-hmm. and the fact why that, aren't they in jail, or should they? And end the up fact in that jail. Trump won't be permitted to talk about that in the case uh, or that motion is outrageous. So the entire m- litigation here is based on what happened on January sixth, and he's not allowed to blame the other people for it who did that. The, uh, the FBI agents and the others. And uh, that exclusion is just incredible. Uh, hit it. Secret agent man, secret agent man. They've given you a number and taken away your name. Beware of pretty faces. That you find. Wait, weren't you the secret agent man back when? Did we yeah. use that for you? Yeah, I was. Uh, what Doug's referring to is that when I went to work for Bill Clinton, we both wanted to keep it secret. Uh, I wanted to because uh, I didn't want to get savage in the media. And I was a Republican political consultant at the time. And yeah, right. My major client was Trent Lott, the head of the Republicans in the Great Senate. guy. And the uh, and Clinton wanted to keep it secret because he didn't want to admit that he was working with the Republican. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we both agreed to keep it secret. So, so um, we opened up with Secret Agent Man. So I screech. 
crash in the crash. So, so I invented the code name Charlie. <laughs> and when I called him, I would tell the secretary, tell him Charlie's on the phone. That's so funny. And the whole FBI and CIA were trying to figure out who the hell Charlie was. I'm sure it didn't take him long, right? No, no. It took about six months no. before it was broken. I began working for Clinton in November of 94, and the secret was out published in the New York Times in April of 95, <laughs> and a uh, front-page story. And um, so, so the, and many people said, wondered where Charlie came from. In fact, it came from a political consultant. I knew Charlie Black, a brilliant guy, who was a Republican. And, um, and I asked him, is it okay if I work for Clinton? And he said, yeah, if you have a chance to work for a president, jump at it. So I gave myself Charlie. That's funny. Anyway, that's funny. But the fact that Trump will not be allowed to discuss the reality of that, of that January 6th riot uh, is, is terrible. So we have a whole variety of things that are closing in now on the January 6th narrative. We have the fact that the Speaker Johnson is going to release videos that show that it was not a violent riot. The videos that have been released are highly edited and little fragments of it. Sure. And very possibly videos of the FBI agents begging people, urging people on. Secondly, the Supreme Court has accepted certiorari on the question of whether these arrests are legal or not. Uh, and they're probably illegal because they're arrested under a white, crime, white collar statute that was designed to prevent securities fraud at Arthur Anderson, the accounting firm. And they're using it to say that the riot violated that law. And the theory where they violated it. Well, we'll talk about that when the music stops. When Beautiful. We come back. Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Welcome back to the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro. <clears throat> sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Let me just go on about what I was saying about the challenges to the arrests and the convictions under um, the January 6th, about the January 6th riot. The convictions were, were brought under a statute that was passed in, 19, in 2003, 2003, after the collapse of Wall Street uh, because of the subprime mortgages. And uh, the, the employees at Arthur Anderson, one of the big accounting firms, were caught shredding documents in the case uh, so that they, the court could not find Arthur Anderson reliable for misleading their investors and misleading the people they audited. And um, Congress acted to make that illegal. And it said you can't destroy a document in a federal proceeding. Well... Smith, the special prosecutor, is Wait, using... that wasn't illegal already? Well, it may have been, but... Yeah, okay. Smith, is, the prosecutor, is trying to use that to convict the January 6th people. 
Now, they didn't try to destroy a document. Uh, they didn't do anything like that. They didn't have a shredder. What they did was to try to delay the proceeding to get the uh, to get the vice president to ask the states to re- re-examine the election and determine if the results they sent in were the actual results. And whether you support or oppose that, there was nothing violent about it and nothing related to destruction of documents. But Smith brought the cases over that because if he did it over an insurrection, he'd have to prove that it was an insurrection. He couldn't do that. So instead he used this white-collar crime statute for a, for a, uh, a criminal case, of, a violent criminal case, and it was totally inappropriate. And the Supreme Court has accepted certiorari on that. And I have to think they are going to overturn the January 6th convictions. First of all, the very act of granting certiorari means that at least four judges want the opinion, want the issue revisited. And if they get five, that's a majority and all these indictments are tossed. And that completely undermines the whole narrative that's behind the issue of trying to get Trump off the ballot or trying to convict him in the criminal case. Because, um, the the riot he supposedly instigated wasn't a riot and never and and never happened. So the, the, it's a really important case that's coming up, and I think it could completely change the nature of the narrative. Um, let's go to Sandra in New Jersey. Hi, Hi Sandra. Sandra. Happy New Year. Hi, Sandra. Happy New <laughs> Hi, Year to you. Thank you. Happy New Year, uh, Sandra. Know, Oh, thank you. Uh, healthy and a happy and everything. Um, I was listening last night to your show, and um, you were talking about the goal for Trump now should be that instead of 20% of the black vote, which he has, we're going to up it to 30. And I think you said... Yeah. And that's instead of the 12 be- that he got last time. Okay. So now you said the strategy yeah. will be to compare the two people, Biden and Trump. And and one part that you said that caught my eye was talking about this uh, Robert Byrd. So I looked him up and I was shocked to learn that he, when he moved to uh, wherever he moved to, he opened up a a, a segregation. uh, Yeah, he he recruited 150 people to join this Ku Klux Klan. And then I learned on the computer that Biden had other friends. He had deep personal relationships with six segregationalist friends. So I say to myself, birds of a feather flock together. So (laughs) (laughs) am am I right? Biden, yeah, you Uh, are. Biden has tried to conceal his past. Um, He was a senator from a southern state. Uh, Delaware did not secede from the Union, but it wanted to. It was only that the that Lincoln blocked the legislature from doing it oh, because he stopped Maryland from succeeding. And the way he did that was to arrest the members of the legislature who wanted to leave the Union, put them in jail. So Maryland had to wow. stay in the Union because Lincoln realized if Maryland and Virginia seceded, he'd have to abandon Washington. And Maryland completely encloses Delaware. It, it's, it's an island in the middle of uh, Maryland. So, the uh, so he's from a southern state, and in the in the Senate he was a southern senator. Um, both on that issue, he introduced the bill to set up mandatory minimum sentences for nonviolent drug crimes. Yeah. He um, 
worked very hard to oppose busing for racial integration. Oh, yeah. What did he say? He doesn't want the said, jungle or how did he, he put it? He said it would turn uh, our schools into a jungle. Right. Meaning either yeah, blacks, savages blacks are jungle yeah, creatures. Horrible. I mean, it was a horrible thing. And, you, and then he says, oh, white supremacist. That's what he says now. Yeah. yeah. But, you, but you contrast that with Donald Trump, who signed the bill that let these nonviolent drug offenders leave prison. Um, leave prison. Right. And, uh, and there's a contrast, and it's all in Trump's favor. Um, so, so, yeah, uh, and I think that the more Trump talks about that, the more progress he's going to make among black voters. Now, we just received a report this week that really puts the lie to everything that Biden is saying about Bidenomics. Under Joe Biden's administration, real wages, that is the amount you're paid minus inflation, are down by 3.3%. And under the Trump administration, they rose by 3.3%. That's six. Yeah. So... So it, and and that's that's a, a a huge national statistic. So Christian hit it. Take this job and shove it. <laughs> I ain't working here no more. A woman done left, took all the reason I was working for. You better not try to stand in my way as I'm walking out the door. Thank you, Mr. Paycheck. We appreciate that. <laughs> um, Johnny Paycheck. Yeah, name absolutely. Is Perfect uh, for him. Take the job, shove a paycheck. Got it. Yeah, well, you just got that. I just got it. It's been on the charts now for like years. <laughs> yeah, we played it a hundred times on our show. I know, but yeah. I? I'm slow, right? Yep. Let's go to Paula in New Jersey. Hi, Paula. Uh, good afternoon. I love your show. Thank uh, you. Here's, Here's an alternate reality suggestion about how to secure the border. Um, I guess everyone is in the mood for this uh, because when you think of it in terms of reality, it's, it's really such a fatal thing uh, what's, coming, what's coming through uh, where we might be having terrorists and um, the FBI saying that it's not if, but it's when. So here's an alternate reality. Uh, it seems that uh, what seems to be working is a uh, massive amount of people coming through and uh, having the uh, border agents um, overwhelmed. Okay, well, how about the United States, who is uh, who can be um, very well organized through its many, many patriotic groups? Why don't we just have the same tactic of if you have 11,000 coming in, have 33,000 people patriotic who don't want them in at the border. And furthermore, have them have loudspeakers, symbols, idiotic drumming. Paul, I think that could lead to really violent confrontation. I, I don't think that's a good idea, but I do appreciate your calling. Um, there is something that's occurred to me that I, I like wanted, it though. I got to tell you right now that I <laughs> wanted to mention on the air and get people's opinions about it. If a person comes into the United States illegally and volunteers volunteers for the armed forces, 
and serves in the armed forces for the period of his enlistment, usually four years. At the end of that, he can become a citizen of the United States, even if he was illegal when he came here. But don't you think that would open it up for a terrorist to come in illegally and then well, volunteer? Well, they'd have to pass a lot of screening, and uh, it's, it's hard to, to do that. And, uh, the, and at the same time that this is the case, our, in, our enlistment in the military is 41,000 troops fewer than it should be at this time to maintain our force levels. So you put one and two together, and one and one together, and yep. I think you get two, and I think that's worth looking at. Now, some people are going to say people will come and join the military just to get in here, and I don't think that's so bad. Yeah, I think okay. if somebody comes into the United States and he says, yeah, I'm not here legally, but I'm prepared to earn my legal status by serving this country All in right. the armed forces, okay, I'll, I'll buy that. All right. And uh, some say that it'll put undesirable elements in the that's military, was, but right. you have to screen those out, and that's what basic training's about, and they would have to maintain the pretense for four years. Not going to be so easy. Now, Interesting. That's a, it's very interesting. Now, while we're discussing this, uh, the, there is a train, of human, a human train, they call it a train, uh, coming to the border from Central America. And it's now 8,000 people strong. And they're lined up. They've been coming north for the last month or so. A train or a caravan? A human train, oh, caravan. Human. Right, got it. And they, uh, they expect to reach the border very shortly. And it's going to really pose another big challenge to the administration. How many did you, did well, you say? Well, they're saying that it's been swelling. It's now eight to 10,000 people. Got it. And the photos are really massive. So, um, and they're drawing closer every day. So, here's the question. This is not a joke. They are. Thank you, Doobie Close Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, it's, and listen, this entire problem would go away if we went back to Donald Trump of getting Mexico to keep these folks in Mexico, remain in Mexico. And, um, and Biden abolished that. He opened the border. He incited people to come to the country. Oh, unbelievable. And Tell us how Trump did that, though, with the... To get the, the border. That was it's a great story, right? Yeah, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> the great. courts ruled that if you come into this country illegally, the second your foot steps on American soil, you inherit the full panoply of constitutional rights uh, that an American citizen would have. And uh, But if you're not on American soil, you don't have those rights. So what the liberals were doing is smuggling the immigrants in, then the border guards would come over and arrest them. But they would arrest them on American soil. So they could then go to court and appeal it, get a court-appointed lawyer, uh, stretch out the litigation. And, and not, this, not come back to court. this times 30,000 people or 50 or 100. Yeah. And they, it was a practical way to avoid the border limits. So Trump looked at that and he said, well, why don't we, make, why don't we get Mexico to keep them in Mexico? And 
Everybody said, yeah, that's a good idea, but how are you going to get Lopez Obrador, an ultimate way out Marxist leftist, to agree to do that? He wants these people in the U.S. because he wants to change America and make it more conducive to Marxism. So um, Trump had just finished negotiating a new NAFTA, a new trade agreement with Canada and Mexico that was very favorable YMCA to the U.S. or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah right. USMCA. Yeah. YMCA. YMCA is yeah. the song. I know, but that's what I call it. Yeah. And, um, and he, so Trump went to Obrador and said, I want you to put 28,000 troops on the Mexican side of the border and arrest anybody that wants to cross and hold them in Mexican jails. And Obrador said, I'm not going to do that. What, Come you on. crazy? Are you kidding me? I'm not going to do that. No way. And the U.S. officials told Trump, you're crazy for insisting on this. Never happened. So Trump went back to Obrador and said, well, I understand your point of view, <laughs> Mr. President. Uh, but, you know, I will on today's Friday and on Monday I will impose a 25% tariff <laughs> on all Mexican exports to the United States. So your cars and everything else are going to cost 25% more. You won't sell any of them, and your balance of trade is going to go to hell, as will your economy. Brilliant. So Obrador said, well, let me get back to you. And then on Monday, he got Trump, and he said, Mr. President, we would be honored Honored. to provide you with (laughs) 28,000 troops at our expense. Like a Stradivarius. To hold these immigrants in Mexico. And uh, it was so such a wonderful thing I that he was that able story. to do. Let's go to um, Carol in uh, Carol in Garfield. Hi, Carol. Hi. How are you? I have two subjects, but now uh, you're talking about the border, and I think we should have class action lawsuits because they're stealing Americans' money. And not only are they stealing Americans' money, is uh, they're via, they're making us violate the immigration laws. So that's why yeah. uh, January. Um, um, six, they threw I'll, him in jail because I'll uh, talk you know, about we, that. I'll talk about that in a minute. But tell me what you thought on John Roberts was. Oh, John Roberts! I think he made Biden president because um, you know uh, he uh, wow. was a part of the uh, first impeachment, and he should have accused himself. The first impeachment of of Trump. Um, yeah, um, you know um, he was. He was. Yeah, he was the first impeachment, and. Uh, you know, then he uh, he uh, he wouldn't take uh, you know Trump's attorneys, and he wouldn't uh, yeah. you know uh, do uh, the other attorney generals yeah. that want to plead. I'm I'm not sure about that, but we'll we'll talk about it. We'll look into it. Good, thank you. Um, so when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, a big defection from the leadership of the black community uh, to Trump. Uh, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement uh, says that Trump speaks to the needs of black people and that he's supporting Trump in the election. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the I think his first name is Bob, but I'm not sure. Bob Fisher, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, came out for Donald Trump the other day. 
He said some politicians have been using race to deflect attention from their own failures. If race was such a problem, why are our school systems and other others run by Democrats failing and have been failing for the last 80 years? Uh, he said, I'm tired of people cashing in on American division and American suffering. I'm here to put us to it. He spoke highly of Donald Trump. He said he's obviously one of the front runners and praised him as the best candidate. He said that Trump is anti-institution. He can't be bought. He can't be sold. He's going to give it to you straight and keep it real. And those who relate to that love him, love that about him. If you look at both parties and the potential candidates, including the current president and his vice president, I think he's the best candidate. It's a no-brainer. Fisher said he believes it's not alone. he's not alone in supporting him in the Black Lives Matter movement. He said, I feel like the tide is starting to turn. More and more black people every day are supporting Trump. He said, look at the rappers. The latest one just went turncoat on the Democrats was Waka Fluky Flame, who announced on Twitter... <laughs> are you kidding with the name? Waka Fluky Fluka oh, Flame. Forget yeah. about it. Who announced... Flock of flame. Okay, thank you. Who announced that on Twitter that he's voting for Trump. On October 16th, the rapper posted a photo of himself and Trump. Another posted one that simply said, Trump 2024. Looking at how a black, neighbor, look at how a black neighborhood in Fulton County, uh, Florida, cheered Trump on his way to the county jail. They know that the government is harassing him because they're, they've seen it in their own lives, he said and they recognize the persecution. Fisher said he isn't afraid of taking, other, taking flat from others in the black community because of his support for Trump. He said, I'm going to get the same pushback that I got when I started the Black Lives Matter organization, not only from the white community, but from my own community. It's just something that goes with the territory when you're a leader. You must be bold. You can't be afraid to be ridiculed. He said that many in the black community are secretly behind Trump and want to see him back in office. He said they won't say it in public for fear of backlash from the community because they have regulations, reputations, reputations businesses, and relationships they don't want to put in jeopardy. But they'll speak with their vote. So, yay, bravo. Wow, that's big. Isn't that incredible? You he know is, why? Because they see that. one the, of the founders of the Black Lives Matter They movement. just see that, but the Democrats are just, uh, it's a lot of bull. They, they tell them, oh, we're going to give you this, that, the other thing. They throw them a bone here and there, and they never do what they say they're going to do. Yep. Um, and, and, the, and when they're in charge of things like education and criminal justice and stuff like that, uh, and, and mainly public services, you see how terrible they are. You see how incompetent the leadership is. Um, so so it's, it's a very welcome voice to hear that. Um, let's go to Andrew in Manhattan. Andrew. Hi. Good afternoon, Mr. Morris and, uh, and friends. Uh, listen, uh, my, my concern is this. It's been estimated by two or three sources that I've looked at that at least 25 to 30 percent of the illegals crossing the border are young men. Yeah. Fit young men of military age between right. uh, 16 and 30. Right. My, my point is this. They are actually coming here to evade military service in their own country, it seems. If no, they, they, they want it. No, I don't win, think that's a factor. 
Yeah, I, I think they're coming to escape poverty and because they're afraid of criminal drug gangs and stuff. But uh, I don't think they're – in fact, I don't even know if all of those countries have conscription. But go ahead. My, my point is this. Presumptively, you could presume or guess at the fact that many of them may, may not want to be in their own government's army. So they come here, and if they if they do opt for that 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 possibility of becoming uh, part of the United States Armed Forces, they, they're going to fail. I think I think the biggest the biggest issue here is not so much the, these people in terms of, of who they are or what they are. I think the biggest issue is that. They should have an office at the border, a large, expansive property where they can get these people in. And within 15 minutes, if you can't state a clear, distinct case, at least prima facie, with one or more documents that you're you're seeking asylum, you should not be allowed in. Yeah. I think the, the problem with that, as we talked about, is that once you're on American soil, you have a lawyer, you can appeal and all kinds of stuff like that. So Trump had it right to stop him in, in Mexico. But I was making the point that we're 41,000 people short of the quota we have for the military. Uh, and these are young men of draft age. Why don't we offer them the option of volunteering to serve in the armed forces? And after four years of good conduct and being honorably discharged, they can then become citizens. It's almost like militia. <laughs> we'll have earned that right. right. No, it's regular army. I know. No, I'm saying, but you're well trained and all of that. Um, now, the the craziest proposal ever in the history of modern politics was just made a little while ago by um, the, by the U.S. government that said that they believe this was Biden. He spoke to uh, Netanyahu, and he said Israel should continue its aid to Hamas, uh, continue to give Hamas money. Uh, what happens now is that Israel collects revenues uh, in the Gaza Strip and that it forwards that money to Hamas. And when they did the terror attack, Israel announced it's no longer going to be their tax collector and they stopped the flow of money. So Biden is reportedly putting pressure on Netanyahu to transfer tax money to the Palestinian Authority that Israel collects on its behalf but which had suspended since the terror attacks on October 7th. Uh, the Israeli government said that it would transfer all funds except those that it says will go to Hamas-run Gaza. The Palestinian Authority, however, refused to accept a partial transfer of funds, saying that the Biden administration was uh, seeking the economic collapse of the Palestinian Authority. So unless they give them all of that money, they're not going to take any of it. So we really have uh, Biden calling on Israel to subsidize Hamas after they've just killed 1,200 people, after they've sworn to destroy Israel, and that's what they're proposing. And there's only one way to characterize that kind of a demand. I hit it, Christian. Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely I'm crazy crazy for feeling so blue 
Yeah. Yeah, um, he's crazy. And also, you know, it would be a cold day in hell before Netanyahu does that. Right. But Thank all God of this him. indicates how pro-Palestinian and pro-Iranian and anti-Israeli Biden really is. <clears throat> this whole invasion never would have happened if he, Biden had kept Trump's policy of not permitting Iran to export oil. And uh, because of that permits permission, uh, Iran stockpiled $8 billion, of res- $80 billion 80, dollars right. of reserves that's now financing this invasion. And uh, then Biden, the minute Israel gained the upper hand militarily, was calling for a ceasefire, used the hostage release as an excuse to pressure Israel to ceasefire, echoing the line that Hamas set out. So let this- me ask you, Dick. Um- we talk about Obama running Biden. You think that's it right there? Well, I think Obama was anti-Israel. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so I think so. So now you think Obama is pretty much pushing him in this yeah. direction? Well, I don't know. It's hard to I tell know. where it's Biden's to... craziness stops. He's <laughs> an old guy. Obama's begins. What did right. you say? Because I'm an old guy. <laughs> yeah, you're an old guy. <laughs> yeah. Now, speaking so, of old guys, um, Nikki Haley, as I guess you know, has proposed raising the retirement age for Social Security. She said 65 is way too low. and uh, But the fact is that every year you increase the retirement age, the benefit to those who are on Social Security drops by 7%. And um, so I hit it, Christian. But it ain't me, no, 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 you're wrong. Next one. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? When I... That's funny. But um, Biden is uh, going to help the elderly uh, because he has decided to, no, I'm sorry, Biden is, is taking more money away from the elderly because he has decided to reroute $280 billion that had been allocated for uh, cost of living increases on Social Security and other benefits for the elderly. And he wants to divert it to a subsidy for electric vehicles. Uh, To see his green dream realized, Joe Biden has been fusing uh, the not-so-burgeoning electric vehicle industry with cash. To subsidize the EV industry, the Biden administration has diverted savings from Medicare to the green projects. The little-known funding redistribution gamut was written into the Democrats named Inflation Reduction Act and diverted almost $300 billion from Medicare's prescription drug provisions to Biden's green agenda, which provides tax credits for EV purchases. So instead of lowering the cost of prescription drugs for seniors, uh, Biden and his cronies are pumping more billions into the electric car industry. Well, he's taken after Obama. Remember he did that? Yep. He put money into that electric, I forget what it was. That's right, and, and, and it just and went belly up in like two years. Yeah, that was Soliano, uh, Sol Soliano. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, it was whatever. Yeah, I'm no, afraid. not Soliano. No, um, it was uh, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I'm that's true. Sure. Yeah. Um, now we were talking a little bit about uh, Mexico and the immigration issue, uh, but when we come back, we'll talk about the fact that Mexico is making fifty-six billion dollars a year from remittances 
sent to Mexico by illegal immigrants in the United States. They're sending them, they're making money here, yeah. not paying taxes on it, yep. sending it to Mexico. Yep. Isn't that nice? And, and it's $56 billion. 56, and so, then they're paying taxes in Mexico probably. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, No, they're not. I know. But, but they're sending it to their families in, the US, in, in Mexico I from the U.S. I get that. That's fine if they were legal. Yeah, that's you're right. You're illegal. So. Yeah. Mm. And, and it's why the Mexicans don't want to stop this flow of illegal immigration. Of course. They want to change American politics I, by getting those folks to vote here. I would think and there's no way. And at the same time, they want to um, make money from it. I would think These there's no way, of, no way of stopping that, right? How, how could you? Well, you could stop them from coming here in the first yeah, place. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. All righty. All right. So, so when we come back, we'll I'm talk. Done with you. <laughs> we'll talk about um, how Biden is wants to require electric vehicle charging outlets in all homes. Oh, my God. That's, you know what? What a jerk. Is there anybody in there? What am I doing here? Is there anyone home? It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro. Hello, Dick Morris. Oh, by the way, it was Solyndra. Uh, yeah, right. And thank you for all the people who called in. Two more callers who called in and told right. us. Um, we're sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Um, let's go to John in Bergen County. Hi, John. John. Mr. Morris, always an honor to speak with you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. I just wanted to. Thank you very much. I just wanted to comment on the people's motivation for voting for Trump. I think there's two reasons. I think there's a clear distinction that's been proven between Obama, then Trump, then Biden, and that's half the equation. I think the other half of the equation is they're voting against lies. They're voting against the lockdown lie. They're voting against the vaccine mandate lie. They're voting against the January 6th lie. They're voting against the Hunter laptop lie. And they're voting against the fall indictment lie. I think people are wide awake to the pattern of lies that have been perpetrated by the Democratic Party over the last six or seven years. And they accept it. I think you're right, uh, but I think you're premature. I think that their reaction against many of those lies, which you correctly characterize, are pretty recent, and uh, and their denouement is coming uh, in the coming months. Uh, But that gets me to another topic I want to opine about. As we confront the new year, what's going to change? What does the new year have to offer? And I think that we are experiencing a fundamental realignment of political parties in this country. And I think that it's going to go on long after this election, and it's going to indicate how America will be governed and will be like in the coming decade or two. That's how long it's going to last. And that's because the shifts we're seeing here are not simply one side out shouting the other or some people switching their allegiance and saying, no, I I was for Biden, but I'm wrong, and now I'm for Trump. What's happening is that entire elements of the Democratic Party constituency en masse are defecting and going over to Trump. Uh, Young people under 30 and particularly under 25 which was a base of the Democratic Party, has now flipped 
And when you see someone who's 23 or 24, they're more likely to be voting for Trump than for Biden. Uh, the black vote we've talked about where Biden got, where Trump, the Democrats got, excuse me, the Republicans got 8% of the vote in, 26, in 2016, got 12% of the vote in 2020, and now are getting at least 22% of the black vote wow. and headed up to 30. Almost three times. Latinos, who were a fundamental element of the Democratic coalition, are switching. And I think there's increasing evidence that in the election of 2024, particularly if you exclude California Latinos, uh, the Republicans are going to carry that. And these are fundamental shifts, particularly among the young voters, that are likely to stay with us for decades. And, uh, you know, it, it's we talked a little bit yes, last week about how you follow the guidance of the Lord in politics. And I said that I thought what you do is you look at the pattern of, of events and you try to see what is God's message in those events. And you ask yourself, why did God permit Biden to become president? And I think one of the answers to that is so that we could experience everything that the extreme left was pressing. It's one thing to warn about a system where merit doesn't matter and only race does, but we have to experience it. It's one thing to say about an area in which government spends crazy money and that causes dramatic inflation. It's one thing to warn about that. It's something different to actually experience mm -hmm. in which the values of having children and and children being free to live their lives without sex change surgery. You'd never imagined that before as a problem, but now you see it, and you see what's going on. Uh, you could warn about the border being open and massive influx, almost an invasion, fundamentally changing the demographics in America, uh, but you have to actually live through it to see it. And I think God is putting us through these experiences. Uh, and we're drawing the conclusions he wants us to draw that are inevitable from that. Thank God for that. This reminds me of a Woody Allen line. Where uh -oh. He's on the way to the Russian front in the army. And they say, oh, 90% of us will be wounded and half of us will die. And then the guy says, God is testing us. And then Woody says, can he give us a written? <laughs> it's not oh, son of a bitch. Uh, again with the son of a... Yep. So um, I so, believe that there is a basic realignment of politics going on. Yes. And I think it's, it's fascinating that we live through well, it. We had this discussion yeah. last week, two weeks ago, just right. you and I, about Biden, that all the young kids are seeing this now. Just what you just said. Yep. And, yep. And so just like AOC... It was, it was. I'm glad she got uh, elected into Congress because she brought up the socialist word, which Bernie Sanders and everyone else never really said it. They kept it under the uh, under the um, radar. But he wanted socialism. She came in and said socialism, and everyone can now say, "Look at what she's doing." Yeah. And Biden doing, is doing the same thing with the economy and the kids are seeing yeah. it. In, so. in fact, in the polling that John McLaughlin does. Gotta love that he guy. Asked, he asked people, um, do you favor uh, a more of a socialist economy in which government provides more services and charges higher taxes or more of a capitalist economy in which government uh, does not tr charge higher taxes and does not spend as much money on people? 
And those numbers have changed by about 15 since Biden became president in a pro-capitalist direction. Um, so socialism has become uh, a, a negative trait, whereas before it was... Like only 10 years ago, Obama was only how many? five years ago. Yeah, right. So good. So this all brings up the subject George in Garden City was about to raise. So let's go to him. Hey, George. Hi, George. Hi, Dick. I want to give you a laugh. My daughter just got off the phone. She's 40. She's a way leftist. And we lived in Garden City, which is a very conservative town. If they found a, if they found a Democratic vote in the county, do an investigation. So she's telling me when Biden wins, you know, how they're going to you know, increase the court. And I'm not saying anything. At the end of the conversation, she says, Happy New Year, Dad. What do you think about what I'm saying? I said, what, I, what do I think? I think I should have sent you to the University of Havana. Same result, <laughs> it would have saved me money. But, <laughs> but I have another right. point, Dick. You know, that was, was good. That was good, George. Happy Father's Day. No, it's the truth. Yeah. I, I, I want to just uh, say one thing. Where, Listen, I was a court employee in state Supreme Court for many years, and I know the guys from, from federal, and I know judges, and I know – we used to have a saying, you must have heard it as a uh, lawyer. I don't know who said it. It said, no one's liberty or property is safe when the court's in session. So right. I'm not as positive as you that are. That actually is a line from Mark Twain. It, he said, no man's liberty or property is safe while the legislature is in session. Mm-hmm. Yep, go ahead. I'm not as convinced that the court's going to you know, do the right thing. Because it's not a matter of the law anymore. It's a matter of politics and pressure. That's all I have to say. And it yeah. saddens me because I used to be proud to work from the court. I don't tell many people I work there work there anymore. Right. Yeah, right. It's scary yeah, what it you're is saying, scary. George. It's a bit scary. It is scary. Uh, and uh, But I do believe that young people, with the exception of your daughter, <laughs> are <laughs> coming face-to-face with Biden's economic policies. Uh, they can't move out of home. Uh, they can't get their own place. They can't have children. They can't marry. They can't start their careers because of the economic issues that Biden has created. And that, I think, is creating a generational experience that will work its way through the system. It's like the snake that swallows the mouse. You see, it goes through the snake's body. Right. And uh, that's what you're looking at here, I think. Well, Dick, you, you explained a couple of times about this that – you know, I would ask you, how could people not see this? And, you know, with the economy and the Democrats, what they do. And you said, basically, and you could elaborate on it, um, because they're looking at uh, one world order and the whole world, no borders, yeah. and, 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 and go with that. Yeah, there. that's a fundamental point you're making, Doug. When we look at the world and we make comments about it, We're basically talking about the United States. When we say incomes are up or costs are up or prices are up, we're talking about the United States. The left does not talk about the United States. The left doesn't look at the United States. They see national boundaries a little bit like zip codes. They think they're artificial boundaries that don't really matter. And they're concerned about global poverty and global incomes and all of those policies. Now, they do a bad job of trying to help those because their recipe is socialism and government control. And in fact, the seven and a half, maybe eight by now, billion people on earth, um, two and a half billion used to be 
in abject poverty, the lowest of the five rungs of poverty, which means you don't have enough to eat every day. And now almost now very fewer in that. And the number of people who are in lower middle class, uh, which is defined as having enough to eat but not enough for any other stuff, uh, has has increased. You're but, talking about America, not No, I'm talking about the world. The whole world. The okay. whole world. Mm-hmm. And the biggest vehicle for alleviating poverty throughout the world is capitalism. Um, That's how you ended up cutting poverty in China, by 40%. And it's why you you stopped a lot of poverty in Africa, a lot of poverty in Asia, uh, because the U.S. opened up its markets to foreign products. And uh, in particular with Africa, Clinton set up a program and Trump expanded it where you could set up factories in Africa and make clothing and get it into the United States without tariffs. So all over Africa, you have centers of capitalism that are really making money and really helping people because they can go to the American market. And uh, Robert Thoreau, I think, the economist, said, the U.S. is like the locomotive pulling the rest of the of the cars out of poverty. Right. And, uh, and, and then Winston Churchill said it best, as always. He said... Some people on the left see capitalism as a cow to be milked. Others see it as a cow to be slaughtered. Others see it as what it is, which is a cow to pull everybody else out of poverty. Ah. uh, So anyway, back to with the Democrats, how they can accept Biden and the economy because of this whole world yeah, thing. Right. So that, that's what I'm, yeah. you went they, off they, of. They, correct. They look at this as a global phenomenon and they don't much care about what goes on in the U.S. as opposed to other countries. Right. And the, the thing it's I... It's hard to believe that they're voting for The thing right. I criticize the most in that is they don't realize that the United States is one of the only fair countries in the world. Right. Uh, that when you look at the nations of the world, about 60% of the people live under despotic governments. Uh, that How about 60%? 60, yeah. Wow. Your population of the world is about six and a half, seven and a half trillion, a billion. And, uh, and you know, China is 1.4 billion. It's and they're, million people. They're tyrannical. Russia's 300 billion, million. That, they're tyrannical. And it's really only India, the United States, and some of the Western countries that are democracies. So... We're in, a, we're in a hostile world, uh, and if you go globalist, you're going to be a lot worse than you when you look at just right. the United States. But they don't see that. They don't see they that. They don't see that. That's why you got to yep. keep talking about it. Good. Right. So when we come back, we'll take some more of your calls, and I want to talk with you a little bit about uh, Biden is trying to get us to all increase heat pumps and uh, manufacture heat pumps and install them that are uneconomical in heating your home, cost more, and uh, and he, Biden is guaranteeing the manufacturers that the government will purchase their inventory. <laughs> I wonder who's on the arm over there. Because I'm an old guy. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. You 
This is the Dick Morris Show. Welcome back. I'm here with Doug DePiro, and we're sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Government policies can backfire enormously and cause the exact opposite of what they intend. And there's a great example of that going on now in Washington with prescription drugs. Uh, Biden is going crazy talking about how we have to uh, go after drug companies that charge too much for prescription drugs. And he's actually talking now about intervening to try to revoke their patents and to give them to other companies to increase the supply and decrease the price. Oh, there's incentive. Yeah. And you have to realize that in the budget of the drug companies in the U.S., about 20% of their money is profit, okay? Another 20% is advertising and publicity and another 20% is research 60 so if you crack down on their profits you make them lower their prices the easiest thing for them to cut is their research and it takes hundreds of billions of dollars to develop the medications that we now have uh, that are saving lives every day and there's no government funding for that it's private and it's done because they they can charge what they want. And what they do is that they increase the price for drugs like Viagra or statins uh, because they know there's a market for that and they can do very well with that. And they use that to subsidize research and development of new drugs. And the problem with R&D for new drugs is not just the science and finding the cure. It's that they have to make a drug they have to spend billions developing it, testing it. Could be a flop, could be a flop, and then they have to apply to the FDA for approval, and they have to wait a year or two or three or four or ten Dependent. for that approval to come back before they can start making a penny from their drug. And the daunt, the economics of that are daunting. Sure. And unlike other countries, we depend on the free market to provide research and development of our drug supply. And that's why we have drugs and the rest of the world doesn't. That's why most, almost all of the new drugs that are coming out that are breaking new ground in medical treatment come from the United States because we use a free enterprise system to generate that. And as I said with Winston Churchill and the cow, uh, Biden is trying to kill the cow uh, that would pull the rest of the world out of poverty, in this case, uh, cure diseases that are now considered incurable. Why has cancer become a chronic condition in many cases? I bet we all know a bunch of people, including me, who've had cancer, would have died from it, and have lived through it, and now are living with cancer as a chronic condition. Uh, I go for my scan on January 4th. And... Um, and I think that that's all, all prayers, please. That's all because of of the free enterprise system that created that. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Biden and the left want to tap that and restrict it because they're not charging because they're charging too much for the basic drugs that everybody uses. But that's how we fund this research. And Dick, I think you it's know, very you simplify important. this so perfectly. Do any of those people? talk like this you know the democrats and biden did they ever say wait a second yeah. 
this is going to happen. This is yeah, stuff you just said. Right, right. Do you wonder? Well, they they need to. They need to. Let's go to uh, Robert in Suffolk. Robert. Hi, Robert. Hi, Dick. What's up? Illegals are crossing the border with guns and God knows what other arms. They've been imaged on border patrol and private camera systems. Mm. Wow. These are, mostly, these are mostly Asian young men, 20 to 30 years old. Asian from Asia? Yeah, I got two scenarios. If Biden wins the election, they'll be activated. And it will be called an insurrection. Trump will be arrested. And he'll be killed in prison. It's murdered. Yeah. The other well. is if Biden wins, they'll still be activated and terrorize and kill and destroy yeah. our infrastructure well. and as many Americans as they can. God, God help us. Right. Let's go to Jack in White Plains, is that? Yeah, hi, Jack. Hi. Uh, I'm Jack- talking about the electric vehicles you mentioned. Yes. Push to do this is just crazy. Uh, he's going to put gas stations and their employees out of business. Yep. And you have to remember something. The batteries that they're using for these cars cause all kinds of environmental damage when they're mined. If they get wet and blow up, they emit gas, which is poisonous. They are very heavy batteries, and they rip up our roads, meaning we have to repave roads more often. And they also emit radio waves, which can cause cancer. Remember, people didn't like when they were using cell phones for that reason? Imagine sitting on that thing all day. Yeah. These people right. are sick. <laughs> yeah, well, that, those are timely warnings, Jack, and we're hurtling toward the era of electric vehicles. Uh, Illinois you, just Jack. passed a law requiring that EV charging stations be built into every new home. Um, and that's going to drive up further the cost of housing. Wait, they, they passed this already? Yeah, the, Illinois has. Oh, my God. And uh, other states are considering it. And that'll increase the cost of housing. It'll increase homelessness. Uh, and it will be part of this full court press to get us switched to electric vehicles. I would say they're putting the, the charger before the car. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. That's right. Right? Seriously, this thing's not going to last. They are. Richard in Long Island, what's up? Richard? How, uh, how you thought the uh, House and the Senate was going to uh, wind up after the uh, election next year? Do you think that uh, President Trump will have enough uh, major- working majorities to yes. uh, get his uh, work done? Yes, I do. Uh, In the House, I think that you're not going to win the national election by two or three points in the popular vote and lose the House. You're going to win it, and you win it by a good margin. And it'll be enough for Johnson and Trump to work with. And in the Senate, we're short of a majority because Manchin has left. Manchin is leaving. And Jim Justice, the governor of West Virginia, is going to fill that seat, and he's a Republican. So if Trump wins, his vice president will break the tie and deliver control to the Republicans. And then in addition, we have very good chances of winning in uh, Louisiana, in, in um, Arizona and Montana and um, a bunch of other states. I think we might be able to flip four, three or four seats in the Senate. So, yeah, I think Trump is going to take office with a bipartisan Republican majority. Thank you, Dick Morris. Thanks for the honor. Question.